0: going on folks? Philosopher King, appreciate you coming in. I'd even appreciate it even more if you consider liking and subscribing to the channel. It would mean the world to me. Your attention is everything, as you know, on this platform. But anyway, I've brought together many things and devices here so that I can try my best to capture this
1: but i'm going to read you a story today i'd like to share with you uh, appreciate your patience Better remember Anyway, this was a friend slash colleague of mine from some years back, and
0: this was an old blog post that I had written, you know, because you know how they say you should keep a journal sometimes or, you know, write things out, and it'll make you feel, you know, I don't know, feel better or, you know, help you go through things or make it through certain situations or times in your life. So, this is one that I had written before, not just for myself, but just because I always thought to myself that I would always keep uh, the memory alive. So, I appreciate you bearing with me. But, anyway, on to it. (laughs) Uh, uh, And, also, I'm not... Forgive me if I stutter over words and things like that, you know. Anyway.
1: Uh... I'm at, I'm at, uh, an army vet. Uh, no, well, fuck.
0: <laughs> I promise you this is gonna work out. <laughs> I'm like an old engine, just gotta warm up a bit. It's been a while since I re- made my last video. Anyway, life was rough before the service, yet, nothing of course could have prepared me for the trials and tribulations associated with the turmoils of war. Not long after my first deployment, I was reassigned to another unit to deploy to the exact location I had left about a year and a half prior. Mobilization and preparation for deployment generally takes a few months, if not longer, depending on the unit. It was during this transition that I met Sergeant Shirley. A young, intelligent NCO in his mid-twenties with a bright future ahead of him. Son Shirley was as funny as he was kind. He uh he was married, but we all knew he was a ladies' man before settling down and had no discrepancies whatsoever, letting the platoon know, as he would occasionally have us in tears, laughing about his previous encounters involving his escapades with the opposite sex. <laughs> you see, the army's a hurry-up-and-wait organization, With so many moving parts, soldiers often bust their ass to get to where they need to be, but when you get there, you're often waiting for somebody to pull the trigger as far as the next move, leaving us with up to several hours staring each other in the face. Uh, what What more is there to do besides bust each other's balls? Needless to say, it was always fun to shoot the shit when Sergeant Shirley came around. Sorry, YouTube. If you're listening on YouTube, they kind of funny about the language. But Fast forward to the sixth month of our Afghan tour. Our platoon is spread out over several FOBs, FOB being Fort Operating Base, along the Afghan-Pakistan border. Some places were worse than others, but all would fall under the austere conditions category. My fob, my initial fob, was dubbed Rocket City. For example, as it sat in a valley surrounded by mountains, mountainous terrain, making it easy for combatants to take an advantageous position in the hills and fire rockets and mortars, etc., directly into our encampment. However, I only spent six months in my home fob due to mission dictated requirements. I had an opportunity opportunity depending on how you look at it to travel to several FOBs uh at, w- at at which we were stationed this part of my deployment I felt was the straw that broke the camel's back for me mentally and one of the l- last opportunities I had to shoot the SHIT
1: <laughs> with Sergeant Shirley my last stop on my tour of afghan uh
0: was situated in a very remote location in the middle of the desert i'm not even sure where the hell i was exactly but i do know that this was one of the most dangerous areas i had been to during any of my previous deployments to make matters worse this place was tiny as hell i could stand at one end and throw a rock and hit hit the other with a rock it was small enough that there was no runway for aircraft. Everything had to be uh brought in via chopper or convoy. Only the bare essentials here. There were no civilian contractors for haircuts. The gym was literally two tents, consisting of a few free weights and machines. There wasn't even a chapette or store to purchase like toiletries, like deodorant shampoo, etc. Whatever you came with is what you had until someone at, at another FOB or a family member would be so kind as to mail it, and that wasn't even a guarantee because the situations, the mail wouldn't always, you know, it'd either be delayed or, you know, uh, or it just wouldn't make it, you know. has to go through a lot to make it all the way from the States to, uh, to where we were. Uh, you see, this was a COB, a contingency operating base. The first I had ever experienced and definitely an eye opener. It was so small and sparse that the chow hall didn't even open every day. We just didn't have the supplies or manpower to run it consistently as people were constantly back and forth, uh, platoons, uh the, sh- the, the the cooks and whatnot would go out on certain missions sometimes and they would, you know, convoy back and forth to where we were, you know, dropping off supplies and making and fixing meals for us and whatnot, which I greatly appreciate. They were awesome. The cooks were the talk of the town, basically. We had not, not much else to look forward to but the food that they made us, and they did a hell of a job. Um, we would eat MREs, or MREs being meals ready to eat. Basically, preserved food in a bag. You know, it's sealed in a plastic bag. Inside the plastic bag are smaller, contained portions of the meal that are often concealed in small cardboard boxes, and they have uh, little... Uh, like uh little heater packets in it and then you pull it out of the cardboard box and then you open the plastic bag that comes with it and you stick it in there and pour a tiny bit of water in there and it activates and gets hot and makes the meal warm that's why i call it meals ready to eat um on the uh we would eat mre's uh basically preserve food in the bag. on the days the dining facility was closed no bathrooms either just connex just connect showers and porta johns connex showers hope i'm not explaining too much but when i speak about these things i think certain civilians might not know what i'm referring to but the shipping crates if you ever see at the docks those big metal shipping crates and whatnot the stuff comes in like we would convert those into showers and bathrooms and things like that so You know, they would just install plumbing and pipes and put toilets, literal toilets and and curtains and stuff in there so you could use the bathroom or take a shower. Uh, The attacks, on the other hand, were even worse than the living conditions. After first arriving, there were, there were HESCO barriers that lined the PAX terminal. Uh, PAX is like just a, a military airport, basically, no matter how big or small. Hesco barriers that line the PAX terminal for protection. The difference between these and others being that these Hesco's and several spent artillery shells protruding had had several spent artillery shells protruding from the top. So Hesco barriers are these huge, they're these huge like cloth bins, like as tall as your average person, if not taller. And they just basically fill them all with sand and dirt so i mean it's like one of the best <laughs> berries you can have as far as defense you know for you know artillery shrapnel you know what i mean things like that and they lined the perimeter basically that and constantine wire you know the barbed wire type stuff but when i got here to this place they had you know uh like uh uh the uh damn what's the freaking uh the the artillery cannon it's it. I don't know, I'm, I'm I'm having a brain fart right now. Uh, it's one of my favorite ones. I had taken some pictures of it. Anyway, it was artillery cannon. I'm going to remember this as soon as I stop the video. It's going to piss me off. But anyway, uh, yeah, so they had these huge uh, shells. Probably, you know, I can't even get it on camera, but just the shells are, are, are gargantuan. <laughs> and they had them protruding out the sand on the top of the ESCO barriers. So, uh, I was quickly taken aback when I was informed that they had just started collecting those shells a few weeks prior and a new one was put up for every three rockets that hit the cob. If you recall, uh, me mentioning how small the cob was, then you'd understand my concern about so many rockets connecting with the camp. As the prospect of death increases drastically as the target area decreases. Makes sense, right? I had a whole new appreciation for the term fish in a barrel. As time progressed, I found that the fob, that the cob, excuse me, definitely. Howitzer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, universe. Howitzer cannon. You know what I'm saying? The, The artillery cannon. Howitzer. Uh, as time progressed, I found that the Cobb definitely held up to its reputation. During my brief stint there, I actually lost count of how many times we were rocketed. Some landing as close as 75 meters or so from where we slept, if not, if not less. Of course, as you know, the U.S. Army ain't no biatch. <laughs> I didn't want to say it, but you know I was going with that. So every time we were rocketed, we returned barrages of artillery from the fire from, here we go, via howitzers located towards the edge of the fog. As I previously mentioned, the camp was ridiculously small. And I say this to give you an idea of exactly how loud and dramatic these exchanges were between us and opposing combatants. Whereas generally we'd hang pictures on a nail, here we have to drive. The nail through the picture as the howitzers would literally knock paperwork off the walls and empty cups off desks when it was sound off. I got so used to the possibility of imminent death that I would have to be woken up out my sleep at times when being attacked. I was mentally drained at this point, numb to just about everything while waiting for replacements and in-walk sergeant after having been briefed on the current climate and knowing what he was walking into, Sergeant Shirley, unlike me, who was ordered to go, volunteered to cover down and pick up where my team left off. Not only did he volunteer, but he had the nerve to walk in the b hut, b hut living quarters, like small temporary sort of structures made of wood, though, uh, not tents. Uh, walking to my to the bee hut. And begin talking talking sh- shit <laughs> immediately, you can never miss that signature saw saw Shirley shitty and grin. We must have spent four or five hours that day catching up on the particulars of the deployment. It was almost bittersweet because I knew that seeing him meant that I would be departing soon and would have to leave him uh and his team in this place. the asshole of earth is how i generally refer to it but of course time moves on and so did i i left not long after uh to organize my situation at home at my home farm as we were nearing the end of the deployment the day finally arrives it's time to redeploy time to go home the trip is long and arduous. The trip is a long and arduous process, perhaps even uh, more intricate than the initial deployment. But after two or three weeks and dozens of energy drinks later, we finally touched down back in the states. Everyone is overly excited to see their families, of course, and make a beeline for the first familiar face they see. We all look at each other as if to let out a sigh of relief that we were finally home. We could finally close this chapter of our lives and begin a new, more positive one. We had made it safe and sound, or so we thought. We were now home, it's time to unwind and get in some much-needed R&R. We were soldiers. I'm sorry, but drinking is one thing we all were very proficient at. (laughs) We uh, We had gotten past what we assumed was the hard part, And now it was time to let loose, but for some reason the hard part was just beginning. You see, soldiers do undergo a reintegration process to help them transition into regular life again after being over there. They offer phone numbers, resources, and triggers to avoid, like, you know, places Loud noises, things like that, yada, yada, yada. You hear it on, like, commercials and stuff all the time, right? But suffice to say, some shit you just can't unsee. And while we were out of pla- out of that place, you can't help but bring at least a little of that back with you. Picture, Picture a white scarf, if you will. This represents your heart or inner self as a whole. This is what makes you, you. Now, if I drag it through the mud in a thunderstorm, cut a hole out the middle of it, and sew it back together, Dr. Frankenstein himself could never make it exactly as it once was. The scarf is now shot to S-H-I-T and stained forever, much like one's soul after enduring the vicissitudes of war. After about a year back home, everybody got had gone in separate ways. The Army tends to play a big factor in that. Much of the platoon had gone on to accomplish bigger and better things. I myself was restationed at another post when I decided to pick up the phone and catch up with a few friends I hadn't spoken with since my uh, change of duty station. My jaw dropped as my eyes welled heavy with tears when I was informed that on the 2nd, of October 2012. Son Shirley. My homie. My real dog. My combat brother from another mother. Felt he was just too broken. To piece himself back together. And took his own life. Russ as I sit here. In tears. Having rehashed everything. From that part of our lives. I want to say. That while your death was tragic. And untimely. I'll be sure to make it count bro. I'm going to make sure the world knows what kind of man you were. Your memory will live forever in the digital footprint of our existence. I know if your story
1: could help just one vet not pull the trigger, then that's a win for both of us. You rest easy now, bro. I got this. I'm glad it doesn't hurt anymore. But I'm going to beat your ass when I see you again, homie. (laughs) Much love. Appreciate you watching. It's Philosopher King. Please like and subscribe. And I look forward to seeing you again. Till next time.